Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my new friend, Mr. Noman Numbers, from the website Noman Numbers. Mr. Noman Numbers and his wife, Mrs. Noman Numbers, are world travelers who left their corporate jobs in 2018 to pursue their lifestyle of slow traveling. Mr. Nomad will share their story with us, how they left their safe and well-paid corporate jobs to pursue the lifestyle they are passionate about, traveling the world full-time, live their best life, and all that without breaking the bank. And side note, as you will hear, well, this slow traveling is not only about sitting on a beach and uh, sipping piña coladas. Huh? <laughs> anyway, this episode is for you. If a nomadic lifestyle, when that will be possible again, is something you dream about, but you don't know where to start, or if you're curious to hear about how regular people live alternative lifestyle pursuing their passions. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Mr. Newman Numbers. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing very good. Thanks so much, uh, Jonathan, for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm excited to hear about your story. You are currently in Taiwan, is that correct? Yes, we're in uh, Taipei right now, Taiwan. Okay, you're in Taipei with uh, Mrs. Noman Numbers, but she could not join. Anyway, anyway, you are a couple, you're a French, and she's American, and you guys... Um, have retired from the workforce in 2018, and you've been slow traveling ever since. Can you guide us a little bit through what is slow traveling and uh, yeah, maybe a little bit more background here? Yes, yeah, so let's start with um, some background. So as you said, I'm French and Mrs. Uh, Nomad Numbers is um, American. Mm -hmm. We, um, I grew up in France. 2008, I moved to the United States, moved to California for work. And um, had my career there. I have a pretty good career in the U.S. working as a software engineer mm -hmm. for most of uh, the past uh, 10 years that I stayed there. And uh, about four years ago, I've met uh, Mrs. Noman Numbers, which was also working in tech in California, in San Francisco, to be very specific. Yeah, so we've met. And then as we started dating, uh, we are both uh, really excited about exploration in general. And we both had the travel bug. So we just had a conversation at some point. I think we went on a hike one day and I was asking her, hey, what do you think about taking a year off and just go travel the world together? And um, she was, uh, yeah, she was pretty excited about it, but she has a lot of uh, concern about, can we do it? Cannot we do it? And then after a few research, we decided that actually we could do that indefinitely. And uh, that's why we were able to retire from our uh, regular work in 2018, and now we've since been slow traveling the world. Yeah, it has been uh, two years. Mm -hmm. And then what slow travel means for us is like, we didn't want it to, now that we have a way to travel pretty much for many years or indefinitely, if we would like to, we want it to be sustainable. So the major difference between regular travel, which was the way we used to travel before, like, you know, the one to two weeks vacation to slow travel is actually it's like, living like pretty similar life that the life you will be doing uh, when you will be living in low location, mm -hmm. but doing it as you move um, every four to six weeks. 
So in that sense, you know, we do check sites and we do uh, go hiking and all of that. We do also do grocery shoppings and laundry and all of the regular chores. So yeah, it's having that um, travel lifestyle, which is sustainable. And the way we achieve this is by slowing down our travel. Mm -hmm. And do you still work? I mean, you're, you mentioned you're financially independent. We will come back to the how and et cetera uh, a bit later on. But what do you do now? You, you really just travel and go to hikes and, uh, I don't know, enjoy the, the, the visits and the local uh, food scenes? Or what do you do? Yeah, so that's a, that's a very good question. A lot of people will usually think that travel is like, you know, sitting by the beach and drinking piña coladas and not doing anything. <laughs> that would have been very boring for us. I'm kind of an A-type person, so I like to do things. And, you know, when I was in my busy careers, I was doing a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So basically what we are doing now is like we are splitting our time 50-50. So 50% of the time will be focusing on the travel aspect uh, that we like, uh, exploring and hanging out with uh, locals or expats that we've met. But then the other 50% will be uh, working on our uh, passion project. And uh, so for me, it might be uh, maybe the blog or some of the things that I've, uh, I'm excited about uh, right now. Uh, for Mrs., uh, right now, she's taking a lot of Mandarin class since we are in uh, Taiwan. Um, and last year, she was taking nutrition class. Um, oh. She wanted to become a nutrition cool. uh, coach. Mm -hmm. So that was taking a lot, of, a lot of our time. So, yeah, it's basically the things we really care about. So now we have the ability to focus on that. Yeah, you have the time and the, and the resources. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. And then maybe let's roll back a little bit to uh, your career in the in the Bay Area, in the San Francisco area, because okay, you decide okay, you go on this on this trip with your wife, and you um, you say, hey, why don't we travel uh, for one year? Okay, that's fine. I think people can start to think and read books or uh, whatever podcast. But then, okay, financially, I think uh, how how do you do that in such a short time? How do you achieve yeah, this? Yeah. I went pretty fast on that. Um, yeah, so um, what happened was, I think we started a conversation about, oh, uh, let's do it one year. And then she knew that, I think she has something in mind, like, oh, travel for a year from her experience in the US, going to be like $100,000, um, you know, to, to enjoy travel. And I knew from Grimm to France, then you, you probably will need less than that. I think mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in like, you know, my parents were like middle-class jobs and nothing fancy. And our summer were um, fun, but we didn't splurge as much. So I was asking, hey, we should be able to do it for two to three years. And then we started digging into that and we realized, okay, cost of travel. And, you know, we realized that it was not as expensive as she thought and much closer than what I thought. Uh, as you know, some people can travel for a year. On, like the backpacker budget will be like fifteen to twenty thousand USD, mm -hmm. so far from those one hundred thousand. But uh, then we realized that people were doing it indefinitely. So that's why we're like, how? How is that possible that some people can just travel the world indefinitely? So that led us to two paths. There was digital nomadism. Uh, those people that are like basically using, uh, going to low cost of countries. Uh, you, and having a, a, a job that can be done from anywhere. Mm -hmm. So then uh, they can get much more value for their money, right? They can probably just work uh, half of the year or if they, even if they work the entire year, they will save much more than being back to their uh, um, country. Yeah. Or the other path was the financial freedom route. So we run into the financial independence, which are early movements. And that's the one that in, excited us the most because there was no stress related to, you know, if you're a digital nomad, you still have to work and it's, uh, you know, you go in different countries and there was a lot of risk or stress related to that. 
the financial route was much more, okay, you save your money, then you invest it properly, and then you can just basically leave, make the money works for you instead of having to work for your money. Um, so we stumbled into people like Mr. Money Mustache, which is very big in the United States, the mad scientist, and he has also a lot of podcasts we interview people, and also people like Go Curry Cracker or Millionaire Revolution that were more doing, having a similar lifestyle than us, like that they were, they reached financial independence, but then they wanted to travel. Yeah. So those were the people that was like, oh, we can also do that and travel at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we came up to that conclusion. Okay, so you, you try to reach the financial independence retire early. So the FI movement, this has been discussed previously on the on the podcast, so I'll not dig into that. But yeah. then which uh, route did you choose? Did you go for the invest uh, in index fund and chill or uh, <laughs> and let it grow or some real estate? Uh, what has been your strategy here? Just in brief? Yeah. In brief, yeah. So it was initially a financial market by accident. And I can dig into that if you want the details, but financial market by accident. Then we realized, oh, we were basically only picking up stocks. So we have to diversify all of that to low-cost index funds. And uh, then we're starting to diversifying by putting some of that into real estate. But the, I think the real estate portion right now is still a smaller chunk of our uh, portfolio. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to grow it a little bit to okay. get the diversification across assets. Yeah. I think you go more into details in an episode of Financial Independence Europe, so I'll not dig into that now. But I think you, you, uh, okay, being at the in the Silicon Valley, okay, your your salary were quite good, and you kept your expenses low anyway all along. So it's already part of your lifestyle anyway to not splurge, mm-hmm. and so which helped okay. you to save as much and then invest. So that's also accelerated your path. Um, and one question I had here is just imagine. Some listeners in Europe were like, yeah, okay, this is all great. And I'm, yeah, I'm excited about this slow traveling or maybe even trying digital nomading, which is slightly different as we explained. But okay, I live in, I don't know, in Germany, in France, in Norway, in England. I don't make such big money. So how, I mean, I cannot have the same short path to fire. Do you have any advice or any tips on that? uh, How they can achieve it with lower salaries, with lower disposable income? Yeah, so that's a good question. So I would like to start by saying that, yes, you can save more in the U.S. Uh, because the salary and absolute value is higher. The cost of living is also much higher. So you have to be really careful and really focused on what matters to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from us, from the get-go, we are not very excited about buying stuff. We never bought a car and uh, anything expensive. So that's why they let us save at least 50% from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I still think that if you have, if you're in Europe, it's also focusing of what you want to get out of your life. If you dream of travel, you don't have to go, you know, we took basically the extreme approach from going from working to stop working and now to just retiring early. So now we can just do all of that without having to work if we want. I think in retrospect, there can be a middle ground that may be much more easily accessible from people in Europe, which would be you can maybe have um, a part-time job or, uh, having some sort of seasonal job in, in a case when you can work part of the time either in your country or outside and then take the other half of that year to travel or to do what you, you are excited about. Uh, we actually have, um, we've met people through, um, through our blog uh, that are from Canada and that have taken that approach. So they are making way lower salary that we were used to make, mm-hmm. but they are doing six months of work in Quebec, any type of work, and then use that money, save that, and then go to countries when they can use that money to have much more uh, value of that money so they can go to uh, 
a lower cost of countries or uh, making shorter trips is more expensive countries. So, yeah, I think it's really what you want to value in your life and then giving you the opportunity to do it. Yeah. So, okay. So it, it's possible at a lower scale and then, okay, you will see maybe with time and then you, while your investment grows, then maybe you can afford if that's something that you enjoy, then maybe a more full-time slow travel. Okay. Very good. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Mr. Nomad, um, let's go back to the traveling bit. So you've been traveling for uh, two years now and now you're in Taiwan. Uh, where, where have you been? Which places have you uh, been living in? Uh, yes, so we've been, uh, so Taiwan is a bit of an exception. I'll get into that. Mm -hmm. um, so we started in uh, Canada. So we spent uh, three months in Canada in the summer of 2018. One of the things we want to do is also to spend time with family now that we have the flexibility to be anywhere and we have more time. Mm -hmm. So we spent a month with my family in Canada uh, in summer 2018. Then went to Mexico for four months. 2019, we started with Aruba. I uh, spent time with uh, Mrs. Nomad uh, in California the first uh, part of the year and then went to Europe for the summer. So we did France, Spain, Portugal and Montenegro in Europe. And so that brought us to fall 2019. And then we went to Southeast Asia, which actually was the first time I've ever been to Southeast Asia in my life. Oh, cool. I've been to Japan, but that was Asia. Uh, so, yeah. So we've been to Thailand for uh, three months mm -hmm. and then we went to uh, Malaysia for about uh, two months, and then we went to Vietnam for a month, Indonesia for a month, and we are going to extend that, but then the pandemic hit. So we came to Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then, uh, yeah, but I, I like it because you really take your time. You said three months in Thailand, for example. So mm -hmm. you really have time to immerse yourself in the culture, really get into the local lifestyle. So that, that's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things we like, and that's kind of mm -hmm. part of that slow travel definition is like, We really want ultimately to to be like locals. So we like to, you know, we don't we don't go on all inclusive resorts like just being, you know, totally um, isolated for everything. Mm -hmm. We just yeah. use Airbnbs. Uh, ideally, we try to we love Airbnbs that people are used to living. You know, that they rent instead of like that investment property which has kind of a cold feel to it. So that's the, actually the apartment that we are living right now in Taiwan is like somebody has been living there, so it's super functional, it's super well designed. Um, yeah, so we do that. And then, yeah, we do uh, in Thailand, for instance, we spend time learning about uh, Buddhism, and the lifestyle part of Buddhism, not so much the religion, but then we get into meditation. So a wonderful experience there, um, working with monks. We also went to the beach, Kolanta. We stayed a full month on the beach, which has a nice, nice settings. Um, in Malaysia, the food was so good in Penang in particular. So we did cooking classes, <laughs> learn about the how the food was made. So yeah, every time we go somewhere, every, the experience is totally new. So we always get that dopamine hit. It's like, oh, you go to, it's like a kid in the, a, new, a new school or a new playground. Everything is new, you want to try, whether it's the food, whether it's the site, whether it's the activities or the people you've met. So we never get bored in a way. It's kind of the easy way of not getting into boredom. You always move, you know, if you move mm -hmm. every four to six weeks, you will, uh, yeah, you will get excited again. Okay, and, and how is, uh, so You mentioned Taiwan, and you told me as well that uh, okay, you get a into a special visa. I mean, it's uh, with all this traveling. It's it does it involve uh, complicated paperwork, or is uh, Taiwan a bit special? Yeah, so we came to Taiwan because that was the place which has at the time the lower number of cases, and as of August, they only have 480 cases, and only seven people died. So this is probably one of the safest developed country 
that are probably still standing against the virus. Mm -hmm. So um, because we love it so much there, when we arrive, they give us a three months visa. That debt's turned out into a six months visa, but as our visa going to run out, we are looking into options. So yeah, we find that uh, Taiwanese employment gold visa, which we managed to apply, that give us uh, a three years residency now. So we are going to make Taiwan a temporary home yeah. until the pandemic um, gets better. So that will be um, so then we can enjoy the island here and don't worry too much about the stress of traveling. Yeah, okay, I understand. And then with regards to the other trips, uh, so like I don't know Europe. Okay, for you it's not a problem to travel, but. Like um, in Southeast Asia, is there a limit in time that people can stay in a country, especially since you're doing slow travel? Can you stay indefinitely or is there a three months time limit or something? Yeah. So every time we go somewhere, we have to uh, check on visas. So, yeah. So Thailand, for instance, it's a one month visa on arrival. You can always extend. So I think we were able to extend from one month to uh, um Countries like Mexico, you give you six months on arrival, so that's much more flexible. Taiwan, I mentioned, was three months. You can extend to six months. So we always look at the visa situation, um, and then, yeah, we base our trip on that. You can potentially extend. I think digital nomads like to do visa runs very easily because usually digital nomads will just stay in those countries on tourist visa. Some of them might have working visa, but a lot of them, the ones I've, uh, I've met were like on tourist visa, and they will just take a trip during the day to leave the country and come back. But a uh, lot of countries are, are starting to, to flag those people and um, a few people have been blacklisted to enter this country once because they abuse the system. Mm. So that's a way, but we, we haven't done that. We don't really feel comfortable about that. And since we can go anywhere, we don't mind just going to the next place and coming back later. Yeah, exactly. And okay, the pandemic hit, but uh, what were otherwise your plans for uh, the next countries? Uh, yeah, so we were supposed to be... Um, so in March, we were supposed to have my family to, again, spend time with my family again. Mm -hmm. So we decided to meet with them in Japan for a full month. Um, and we, were, we booked place in Tokyo and Kyoto uh, because they've never been to Japan. And then we are going to go to Europe. So after that, we are going to go to Italy, Prague, uh, sorry, Poland with Krakow. And then spending doing a short trip back to the u.s to see uh, my wife uh, parents again that's part of that let's spend a month with our respective family mm -hmm. each year yeah and then going back to um, europe with uh, i think we had planned to greece in the fall and after that we're going back to southeast asia because i've never been and there is so many places to explore so uh, yeah that was the, the extent of our planning for 2020 okay Okay, well, it sounds exciting. It's too bad of the pandemic. I was myself planning to to go to US, but okay, it's cancelled as well. And um, just a one question uh, here on the trips. Okay, you're traveling, but um, is there a particular place that you really enjoyed or that you would say, oh, guys, you need to go there? Uh, for the listeners, you say, you have if you have one choice, go to this place. We really loved it so much. So it's really based on taste, but I will say um, Thailand has been, uh, and especially Chiang Mai, like all of the Buddhism, I was never exposed to Buddhism. Um, and for me, I only saw Buddhism as a religion. Mm -hmm. So getting exposed from it from the lifestyle perspective, and which led into meditation, and we took a meditation retreat that was totally free by the monks. That was really life-changing uh, because I've, to that date, I now still practice meditation every day. Um, and it's a really good way to also slow down. And uh, for me, meditation is like, you know, people will go to the gym as kind of the medication for their body to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Meditation for me, it's like the medication for the mind. 
you know, as more as it's important to stay healthy and eat a proper diet, I think people should think about meditation as also keeping care of their mind. So then, you know, a lot of people are anxious or like feeling depression or um, all of those mind-related diseases. Um, so that was really life-changing for that. As far as place, you know, if you are a slow travel and you want to stay a place you want to stay longer. Mm -hmm. I really liked Montreal, which was the first place we've been to in our trip because it was really affordable, um, very European style. Uh, people were super friendly and we went there during the summer. So there was all of the festival and all of that. I think the summer in Montreal was also... Uh, okay, and Montreal is uh, acceptable. I mean, acceptable. Montreal is affordable uh, for uh, traveling for long periods, you, th you think? I mean, it's, it's a more like... Um, Thailand, East, Southeast Asia, it's a bit viewed as cheaper, more affordable than uh, like a US or a European uh, city. Um, yeah. So actually, the funny thing was uh, it cost us, Montreal was much cheaper than, you know, the other side of Canada, like Vancouver and the, uh, the West Coast. Okay. It was still cheaper than Mexico when we spent oh, time really? in Mexico <laughs> and Mexico City. Yeah, because I think Mexico City was expensive. So yeah, for us, um, that was um, cheaper. It's, uh, it was more expensive than, the, um, than Chiang Mai, for mm -hmm. sure. But uh, yeah, I think um, we could live in Montreal for not that much more than uh, living, in, um, living in the cheap, cheapest country in Southeast Asia. To give you uh, an idea, it's about, we spend about 25,000. If we we'll have put our budget on a year for what we spend in Montreal, Mm -hmm. It will have been uh, 25,000 when we spend about 25,000 in Mexico. Uh, but then in, re in, in, in comparison, uh, living in Chiang Mai will have been only 15,000 or 16,000 mm -hmm. USD per year. So a bit more expensive, but still not as expensive as uh, other places. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Then we touched upon it a bit earlier, and it's a bit a boring topic, but I think it needs to be addressed <laughs> when talking about tra traveling like this for longer periods. Mm -hmm. the healthcare and the taxes. So how, how do you deal with that? And just one thing before we start. So you are French, but you are a US resident then, I guess. Uh, yes, uh, because I've moved in the US in mm -hmm. 2008. Uh, yeah, all of my, um, yeah, everything is based in the US for me now. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, I can talk about the tax. Uh, they will be very uh, tax specific. Um, so is that something, basically the bottom line is that we, we set up our life to not have to pay tax in the US, at least on the federal level, because we are using some of the tax cuts and the way our income is coming through is not really, is not really taxed. Mm -hmm. uh, we do still pay tax in the states that we are in, but there is way for us now, since we don't live in the US, we could potentially move to a different state uh, if we really want to reduce our tax. But yeah, the tax actually in the US is very Uh, based on the type of income that we generate, which is mostly from real estate and stock investment, mm -hmm. it's very generous if you don't make too much money. Yeah. So since for US, uh, we don't make as that much money, I think it's very beneficial for us. Um, I can get into more details if you have specific questions, but that's kind of the situation on the tax. So it's very, it's much better than it was before because we, we generate less. As for the healthcare, we, so the healthcare in the US is very, very expensive yeah. uh, compared to Europe. So what we had to do was to buy uh, expat health insurance. Mm -hmm. So we use uh, IMG uh, for our uh, first uh, um, for our first two years. IMG Global provides expat insurance. It's about 3,000 USD per for a, for the two of us. So we're in our 30s. 
uh, and it's a very high deductible. Uh, so it was really just to have the catastrophic coverage. I think the deductible is like $10,000 between the two of us. So we'll have to, if both of us got in trouble, uh, we will have to spend more than $10,000 before the insurance can start can to pay start. Okay. anything back. Mm -hmm. But uh, from a US mindset, $10,000, you know, if you go to the ER, you can easily get to that. So it's it's not too bad, it's more catastrophic. And then uh, because the cost of um, healthcare anywhere else in the world, especially in Southeast Asia or even in Europe, uh, even if you pay out of pocket, uh, it's much cheaper than that. So everything we've been spending money on right now, we didn't really need insurance for it. You know, go to the dentist cleaning was probably like 20, 25 euros in, um, uh, we did it one in Thailand, I did, we did what in Vietnam, that was mm -hmm. about how much we spent. Uh, I had to pay for prescription because I have an ear infection when I was in Thailand. And I think it was, again, the same 20 or 25 euros or USD, sorry. My price are in USD. So mm -hmm. it's super cheap. And I think here in Taiwan, it's also super cheap. We need to do our uh, cleaning um, in the coming weeks. Um, and it's really, really cheap. So that's what we do for healthcare. Um, the advantage of now being based in Taiwan is that we are, because we are residents of that country, we are going to be able to tap into national healthcare insurance which also it's really cheap. I don't have the numbers right now, but I've heard it's, yeah, you pay very little, like uh, maybe 10, any, anywhere from 10 to $50 a month, and then you have very good coverage. So mm. okay. that's what we'll do for now, as long as we stay in Taiwan. But yeah, in general, healthcare, as you travel, it's really cheap. And if, uh, I don't know if your country, if uh, you can have, uh, you probably have cheaper plan if you want some sort of expat coverage. Yeah, I, I don't can know, you? because... Um... I've never been an expat. <laughs> and here I live in Europe. I've lived in Norway, France, uh, Luxembourg, and Belgium. And okay, usually we, we are quite lucky with our uh, healthcare systems. And then you can always, if you really want, you can always add uh, an additional insurance, which is not very expensive in general. So, so that's good. And then um, moving on to, to the long-term view, uh, Mr. Nomad, you're traveling, you have further travel plans after the pandemic. but how long will you keep that lifestyle? Is this something you, you really want to do indefinitely or do you plan to, to settle at some point and maybe even mm -hmm. have kids? I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a very good question. And I think that can be a nice segue into um, what we've been decided. Um, so we just want to, we were thinking, we started the travel and I did, in the first year it was all about the travel and then we did that first year and then we started taking a step back about you know, the pro and cons of the, that lifestyle. And then what we really wanted out of our life. So overall, traveling has been something good with us. We, ra we rather prefer traveling and, you know, having all of those experiences I mentioned and, you know, being at a desk uh, and working uh, for a, a company uh, and, you know, being at the disposal of our boss. And if, you know, in the U.S., layoffs are pretty easy and I've been through one of them. So it's not really fun to, you know, even if you are a high performer the next day to have to leave the, the company because, there was some cuts in budget somewhere. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, yeah. you are the one that had to. So I think we like that freedom. And now we want to really use that to basically live our best life. So travel will be a big component to it. But we also want to spend more time with our uh, parents and family. So as we travel, we want to spend time with them. We are thinking at least two months a year with um, our respective parents, one to two months uh, per year. So do that. And then... Yeah, longer term, like five plus year, we're trying to find a base for us. 
like a place we really like. So that's why we still need to travel because we are traveling slowly. So it's hard to eat all of the places we want to check. Mm -hmm. But uh, Portugal, for instance, was a place we really liked. And I just mentioned Montreal. I think Portugal is another of those places that feel like really, uh, really, um, yeah, feel like home to us, um, very affordable as well, very safe, um, much safer than it was um, a couple of decades ago. So yeah, we're still, and now we are in Taiwan. I really, really like Taiwan. So who knows? Maybe we'll just settle. <laughs> so it's having, having a base, but just use that as a base. So we still yeah. imagine ourselves still traveling for part of the year and just coming back to that base. And that's also where we hope to have our community. I think one of the challenges of that lifestyle is like as you move around, uh, the people doesn't move as with you, unfortunately. So having a community is also important. And that's why I think we believe that if we have a base, it will be easier. But uh, since we started our second year of travel, we were able to starting meeting like-minded people. So there was a, a couple we've met, for instance, in Thailand that we also uh, we kept traveling with, and we've met in Vietnam, and then we share a villa with them in Bali. And now they're trying to get with us in Taiwan. They're also American, but trying to use the same visa we use to come mm -hmm. here because they would qualify. Uh, so yeah, trying to find that community, um, we will see whether it's easier to find it if we settle down somewhere or as we keep moving around and we connect with like-minded people, uh, uh, if we can find them as well. And yeah, uh, I like it. It's like you're on a house hunt worldwide, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you can just, you know, you can take all of the benefits. For, you can get the best of all of those places, right? Mm. You can choose, uh, you know, for us, it's proximity to nature and mm. you can decide based on the weather and um, you can maybe, like Montreal would be nice for the summer. There can be a base and then maybe for the winter, because it's very cool in Montreal. Maybe you can go to Southeast Asia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we have mm. we have that nice flexibility. Mm. No, I like that. And then uh, you hit a very important point, at least to me. Uh, it's uh, building a community. I mean, you know, when I live somewhere, I mean, what is nice is that uh, you go to some shops, you go to some places, I don't know where, uh, your sports club, at, at least for the mm -hmm. sedentary people. You, you go to whatever and you meet the same people, you build relations, you go to church, I don't know what. But you build the, the connections and then, you know, at some point it's nice to have this. I mean, for me to have this uh, familiar faces, but it does not need to be tied to one place. I mean, for example, I have plans for a family home in Belgium and then I know already the people there. So the community, let's say it's made. So I can be there and I lived in Paris. For example, if I move there today, I know people there. So I have already built a community beforehand if I want to. So, so that's kind of cool. You have people everywhere and you, tr of course, you need to try to, it's your job to, to keep the relations and everything. And, uh, it's it great, but it's a, it's an important uh, factor. You, you were right to mention it. Uh, excellent. And then Mr. Noman number, my, um, maybe a last, but a very important question. So you enjoy the, the slow travel, obviously, but is that for everybody? Um, yeah, so it's no, it's definitely not for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people think about the dream about travel. Yeah, the sexy um, part. Uh... Because it's like, you know, it's like the sexy part. I'm going to be by the beach and I'm going to do nothing and I'm just going to like drink and whatever, you know, it's very relaxing. But I think at the end, we are um, human and I think we strive to be, um, we strive to be productive and to give back or do something like important with our life. So, mm -hmm. and that's why I like to, um, that's why we are really big into uh, that concept of uh, lifestyle design, which is, or life design, I should say, which is mm -hmm. uh, just define what you want to do, uh, what you really want to do in your life. Um, and I think for us, we, and it's really hard because, uh, you know, you have a lot of constraints and limitations that you face every day. 
uh, you know, uh, for instance, you know, uh, people need to work because they need, they need to have income. But then if you say, oh, if you don't need the income, would you like to work? Or if you want to, uh, who would you like to spend your time with as well? You know, sometimes people just spend time with whoever they hang out with. They are not trying to identify the type of people they want to spend the time with. Or or even where do you want to live? People don't have that choice because they need a job. And then the job usually has to, you know, for me, when I moved to the, to California, I did it because of a job. So if people can start to let go of those constraints and limitations, they can start really deciding, uh, identifying was uh, was something they really want versus what something else wants from them or the society wants for them. Is that, is, is that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that was what prompting us to say, okay, we want to travel because that was our inner belief. We face those limitations. We realize, oh yeah, we cannot travel long times because we need to have a home or we need to have work. And then, and then we find a way out. We, we figure, sorry, we figure things out to be able to do that. And it was not easy. And I'm glad that we were uh, finding all of those people that had done that before, because otherwise we'd probably just uh, you know, done it for a year and come back to our previous life because we could not think it was sustainable. So, yeah, people should really think what they really want to do about their life, trying to think about removing all of those limitations and trying to think big. And then from there, they will find ways to get there. It's when people are usually, you know, when I share that with my um, close friends, they always come up with those limitations. Say, oh, but I have kids or, oh, you know, I need to uh, I need to work into that job. But um, we've been uh, on our blog. We've been interviewing a lot of people uh, that have alternative lifestyle, and you can see that not of them as a silver spoon or like a trust funds or or even work in high paying job like we did. Uh, and they all come up with beautiful stories. So, yeah, think about what you want for yourself, and then the rest will will follow. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I don't do really meditation and all these things, but I do reflection. <laughs> I reflect, yeah. some, and then, for example, one thing I did. Uh, it's a couple of years ago, and it's about work. So in the end, you know, the best work you can do, to me, is the work you would do for free. And, you know, I think maybe it's everywhere in some books, but I came up with that myself uh, just by reflecting. I'm like, but what would I like to do for free? You know, and then basically it's what I'm doing now. The, um, I mean, the podcast and the blog, I do it on the side of my job, but it's something, you know, if I had uh, all the money in the world, I would I would still do it. For example, yeah, and I'm guessing it's much more. It brings you that fulfillment, and then at the end of the day, you know, even though if you didn't get the money, uh, it probably feels good to you know being able to connect your listeners with like people like me or uh, or writing something you've discovered on the blog to share it with the masses. Mm-hmm. I think I'm similar to you. Uh, I totally agree with, to what you said, Jonathan. It's like you. Yeah, whatever brings you joy at the end of the day is like what makes you happy. And if for you it's like, I mean, for me, it's like, yeah, we like to share our journey. We want to show people that things are possible and they can design a life they really love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I can only change one person, just one person by sharing what I've done and spending hours doing that, that would be already a huge achievement Uh, versus, you know, corporate jobs can be fine. And, you know, I'm fine if people find, you know, their uh, passion in the job. It's really hard, I think two or three thirds of the workforce are not really happy of their job because it's hard to find something fulfilling. But yeah, mm-hmm. if you are an entrepreneur type and you can start your business uh, and if you can do it for free, then even better for you, you can help people and make the world a better place. That's, that's for it. But for us, we try to have much more realistic goals, try not to change the world, but just to bring a little bit of what we learn along the way. And and yeah, doing that works towards uh, helping others. Mm-hmm. Okay, very excellent. And I'll just close with that. I mean, I read uh, your your website, of course, and it's very, I mean, for the people, for listeners who are interested in this lifestyle and or who want to learn more just to discover what it is, 
It's very helpful. There's a lot of details on the expenses per city, the comparisons, the and then some uh, travel reports. Uh, it, it's quite uh, detailed and even your backpack details are in there. So it's, it's very detailed. So what you take with you, it's uh, I like it. So go pay a visit for sure. And yeah, Mr. Nomad, before we close, uh, we will go through our quick fire questions. And uh, then, yeah, we'll go um, through uh, yeah, how people can connect with you. So are you ready for the quick fire questions? Yeah, sure. Okay. Bring them on. <laughs> Excellent. So talked a little bit about that, but I'm not sure it's the, we've answered it. So what has been your best investment so far? Yeah, so it's not going to be nothing to do with investing your money, even though that's what led us to that lifestyle. It's more about investing. I think at the beginning, it was investing in ourselves, what we wanted to do with our life, mm -hmm. which led to then the financial investment. So invest in yourself, be a little bit selfish, stop listening to what people tell you what to do or, you know, what it means to have a career. Just think about what you want, you know, whether it's a family, whether it's like helping um, other, whatever it is, and start from there. I think uh, we came to that conclusion in our 30s, so not too late in life. <laughs> uh, but I think some people don't get there until they really stop, you know, mm. being in the nine to five, the like nine to five, and then it's kind of very late for them to to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And then the second question: What is um, your favorite book or any book that you would recommend to anybody? And it's not the, yeah. and it's not uh, necessarily uh, linked to to a finance or personal finance? Yeah. So this is not a finance book. It's called um, Sapiens, A mm -hmm. Breath History of Humankind. It's written by Yuval Noah Harari. And you probably have heard about that book. It's a trilogy. Um, and that book changed my understanding about the human existence. Uh, it's going through the major revolution. And at the end, the book uh, go from, so it go from cognitive agricultural to in scientific revolution and all of the change. But at the end, the book asks ourselves not what we want to become, which is what I was mentioning, but just what's the next step? You know, what do we want? I think the question is like that the book ends with like, what do we want to want? Mm -hmm. Basically, what's the what the next big chapter for human history? What do we want to? Yeah. So I have I don't know. It's still very abstract to me that I cannot answer that question, but it's interesting to see, you know, where we are going as um, as human. And it's uh, it's a really, really good book. Okay, excellent. And I know it's a, it's one of the best sellers of the last years, and uh, it's it's on my list as well. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the trilogy uh, that's followed it's also pretty good. I'm still on the second book, so I have one more to finish, but it's good as well. Okay, very good. And then the last question, uh, it's always a tricky one. What is the best purchase you've made for under $100 or euros? So I think I'm going to go with um, our zero waste kit. So as we travel, uh, we try to have uh, to reduce our impact on the environment, and mm -hmm. a lot of countries are using plastics and all of that. So we have basically that zero waste kit, which is made of uh, um, reusable uh, with a, a straw and fork and spoon and even some uh, and a cup and a collapsible container that we use, mm -hmm. and we use that all the time. Even to you know when we go hiking and we want to carry our lunch, or when we go out and we want to get some tea uh, or some snacks. So instead of getting all of those bags or uh, plastic containers, we just use that kit. And yeah, it's way less than that price point, but we've been using so many times. And I think it has been one of our best investments for since we started that travel, for sure. Oh, okay, that's great. Okay, excellent. Seems uh, very practical. I like that because it's uh, also a purchase you made. You may, you can make once or uh, twice and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we keep reusing that. And uh, yeah. So that's uh, trying to be, um, yeah, ecology, um, 
eco-friendly as much as we can, especially yeah. as we travel. Yeah, perfect. And uh, Mr. Noman Numbers, um, yeah, uh, thank you for sharing all this info and details. But of course, many listeners will want to, um, to find out more. Where can they find you, actually? Yeah, I think there's just ways to go to our blog, which is at uh, nomannumbers.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you can start from there and get into our newsletter if you want to get our updates once a week. Okay, well, I want to thank you again so much for uh, sharing your story here on the on the podcast. And uh, yeah, v- with very, it was very inspirational. It was very practical as well. I mean, you you really detailed uh, quite well your journey. And uh, yeah, I think it will. Um, I think many of the listeners will enjoy uh, listening to this. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, and thank you so much for uh, what you are doing with your podcast. Uh, of course, to have uh, me sharing our stories and. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll be looking forward uh, listening more of your podcast uh, in the weeks and months to come. Okay, fantastic. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And maybe you got inspired as well. If uh, slow traveling, digital nomading is a bit something you're, you're after or that you're simply curious about. And now before we head off, let's go through the key takeaways of today. Number one. Traveling for long periods of time may not be as expensive as you may think, and even living in some cities may be cheaper than you thought at first. Think of the example of uh, Mexico City versus Montreal, for example. Number two, yeah, there's a difference with uh, digital nomadism. If you think about the episode with Sharon that we released before the summer, that was more about digital nomadism, working remotely and living in a cheaper country so you can save good amounts of money and then invest and uh, do whatever you want with that. Uh, in the case of Mr. and Mrs. Noman Numbers, they chose the financial freedom route or the FIRE route. So FIRE stands for Financial Independent Retire Early. In their case, they do not have to work. It's less stressful and they can focus fully on their passion project. Number three, their strategy to financial independence, it was to keep expenses low, focusing on buying what matters to them, investing in the stock markets and as well later on into uh, real estate. Number four, what happens if you don't have such a high income as they had? Well, what you can do if you're interested in that lifestyle is to take part-time jobs or seasonal jobs so you can work some month in your country, save up some money and then go for the rest of the year to a lower cost country or city to do whatever you want. It's all about what you value in your life and uh, taking the opportunities. And last but not least, is slow travel for everyone? Well, in the case of Mr. and Mrs. Noman Numbers, Slow travel was the result of a process. You will need to let go of the constraints and limitations, and you will need to be intentional about how you want to live. You will need to figure out what you want, how you want to live, and for inspiration, well, what better place than their website to get started? (laughs) So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me if you have any questions or feedback. Send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.